Welcome to Kansas City Confidential, a podcast where we hear from the people behind Kansas City's local restaurants, businesses, and personalities. I'm your host, Sari, and this week I'm joined by Sarah Allen Preston, owner of Afloat, the gifting app created to make gifting meaningful, timely, and convenient. This app offers same-day delivery and partners with local businesses. Here's Sarah to talk about how she got the idea and the growth her business has seen in the last two years. Casey's Confidential. Just excited to hear more about Afloat. I have used the app before myself. And, you know, one thing that I love when I first came across it, I found it actually through one of my friends on Instagram, Molly. And I love that just on the homepage, it's like gifts on demand, you know, shopping from local, which obviously shopping local is really important to me. But the gifts on demand, you know, I had a friend who had a had gotten a new job and she had texted us about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to send her a gift. And the user friendliness of a float and how easy it was to just like pop on there, send her a gift and it delivered like instantly was so great. And it just made everything so easy. So I'm excited to just get into everything and, and hear a little more from you about just the overall process. Yay. Well, I love to hear that. First of all, I'm glad we made it easy for you. And I, isn't it kind of nice to have, I feel like there's a million platforms out there or a million stores you can go to. There's so many options. Now we live in this kind of meta search in our phone. It's been really nice to create something that's very clear. Like when you want to gift, you go to a float and we will have something there and we will get it there for you. And we will alleviate all of those pain points uh, that typically come along with gifting. So I'm glad that you had that experience. I, I love to hear it. I would love to hear from you how this idea came about and what sparked kind of the coming together of a float. The idea really took root, I would say, initially when my youngest son, I have three boys and they are now nine, six, and five. So my house is completely bonkers and upside down most of the time. <laughs> but um, my youngest actually had to have open heart surgery when he was five months old. So we did not know in utero, but he had um, AVSD, which is a congenital heart defect. And he was born and I became kind of obsessed with um, the fact that I thought he'd swallowed a peanut M&M while we were in the hospital. It was completely crazy, right? Like this is a newborn baby. How does he have access to peanut M&Ms? I don't know. But I just knew there was something that was wrong with him. And that was what my postpartum brain did to make sense because I'm not a doctor, obviously. Finally, a nurse when we were checking out was like, hey, you know, if he starts breathing these retractions and she showed me what it looks like, she was like, if you're still worried, you can bring him in if that starts to happen. And it did when we got home. So I ended up taking him back to doctors and the emergency room back and forth for those first two weeks, like seven times. I was like, there's something wrong with this kid. And finally, we found out what it was. And that was in itself a very trying period because people kept telling me he's fine. He's fine. And I was like, he's just not fine. I don't, I don't know. I'm an art history major. I don't know, but I know there's something that's not, that's not right. Anyway, that all to say, we finally got him diagnosed and we were inpatient for, I think a week initially just getting tests. And he was a little bit sick because it, uh, he'd had a, um, a cold or something as well. And it, it made some other things more complicated. We were very quickly underwater, completely overwhelmed and had two other boys at home. We were living in a rental house at the time. We were in and out of the hospital. And it was my first real exposure to like, 
oh my gosh, I need my community around me to get meals, to get my kids places, to keep me sane. Um, so we went through those five months with that just incredible support that we had at the time. I was also looking around whenever we'd be at the hospital and realizing people didn't have all of the same you know, support we did, which was eye-opening and why we still love to support Children's Mercy with a float now. But that all to say, he got through surgery beautifully. We were you know, there for uh, some amount of time, which is weird. I don't remember it now <laughs> in December. So it's been five years now, which is great. And I, you know, on the other side of the whole experience looked back and was like, wow, that was really, really freaking hard. But there was this massive silver lining. And that was the people that were there for me throughout that whole time. And I knew they were thinking about me, whether it was a text, uh, you know, hey, let's go on a walk. Or a lot of times, honestly, it would be a gift on our doorstep. And it didn't matter how big or small that item was. It could be a bottle of homemade salad dressing, which it was one time, and I freaking loved it. Or, you know, an amazing robe or Barefoot Dreams blanket um, from some of my girlfriends in my playgroup that I still, Duke still, my middle still sleeps with. Um, So I realized though it wasn't about the thing, but it was really the thought that people were there for me. And I really latched onto that. The seed was planted there. Um, fast forward a couple of years, I, at the time was a high-end event planner and was still working through all of this experience and continued to work through the next, I would say it was probably a year, year and a half. Uh, at which point I realized that I needed to end my marriage for a variety of, of reasons that I won't bore you with today, but just, you know, for my sake, for my children's sake, it was time to close that chapter. And um, that was the second time I was really overwhelmed underwater and my community showed up. And it was at that point that I really pulled the trigger on, okay, I'm going to build something that fosters this sense of community that makes it easy to celebrate and support because now I've been through this twice and I wouldn't have gotten through something that was hard without my people around me. I have so much respect for people who are able to take situations like that and find silver linings and look at it in a different way and say, okay, I went through this thing. How can I bottle that up and use it in a different way? You know, having been through that and seeing the support and how important that is to people when they're going through something hard. I have lost a number of family members in a similar situation. I don't think you ever, I don't think a lot of people think about how important just the smallest gesture is and how asking someone to go on a walk, just get someone outside or sending, you know, half a dozen cookies, just something to let people know you're thinking about them. I think what's so great with a flow is you were able to build this amazing thing through some devastating times and then put that energy into something positive because with a float, you know, specifically you can send something as a celebration or sympathy or just thinking of you and being able to have a platform to send those small gestures is so great. And obviously I love the shop local component added to it as well. But yeah, those times when people are really needing an extra hand or just support or feeling like they their back is being covered by others is so crucial. And during COVID, I think a lot of people felt that way as well. And just through anyone's personal experience, it's great that you've created this platform through everything that you have had to deal with. Oh gosh, thank you. Yeah, I am. I'm a very big, I think it's just my personality, but like, if you go through it, what can you learn from it? And what can you then contribute from it? And I, you know, like I said, I was a high-end event planner. So like you mentioned, I, I knew the value and I still appreciate the value of celebrating those good times too. Like you have a friend that has a baby or is moving to a new house. I love being able to 
to create something that makes that even easier to also facilitate those happy moments you can send something and support people through, which, you know, we all want to do it when it's a happy moment or a sad moment, but a lot of times it's hard. You're always thinking of that other person, but whether it's that it falls to the bottom of your to-do list, because we all have busy lives, or you're just not exactly sure if you should do it or what to say or what to send, like there's so many roadblocks to being there for people. So it was really important to me to build something that made it just that much easier to shoot that goodness out into the world and let it become kind of a part of your daily life and mindset and habits because it feels so good to give. And I think that what's really cool to think about is the salad dressing always really like resonates with me when I think back on our experience. I was having a really, really, really bad day that day. I just remember that. It was this little bottle of salad dressing on my front step. And I kid you not, my entire day, my entire mindset, it shifted this momentum that I'd been carrying that was so heavy, just knowing that someone was thinking of me. And then what did I go do probably more positively in that day because that salad dressing had appeared on my doorstep than I would have if I'd been stuck in my own, like, oh, poor me, I'm so alone, I'm so isolated. And to them, it was just a gesture. But like, there's things that really to people you don't know what that turning point is going to be and how your small positive impact can start this giant ripple effect, which I think is just the possibility there with what we're building is what is so exciting to me. So speaking of building this platform at the beginning, three boys recently divorced. How were you getting started? What was the beginning steps to really get this platform up and running? Um, 800 missteps and (laughs) probably 800 more. Um, no, I was still planning events and actually it was really COVID that was my big catalyst to make the jump completely into a float into tech. It seemed like events weren't going to be happening for a while. So I was like, all right, it's now or never like, just go for it, Sarah, you know, cut the clients, jump in. I did not know what I was doing. I'm non-technical. I had never started anything like this before, but I had had my own business, you know, at that point for a while with events. And I'd run a business that I started in college prior to my event company, which is a stationary company. So I wasn't completely unfamiliar to, especially working for myself and that motivation that you need and the, you know, kind of structure to your day. Uh, This was, like I said, a very different business, but at the end of the day, I had the basics kind of just through experience in my back pocket. So I wasn't as scared about that stuff, which is, I guess, a blessing, another silver lining, like the gifts on the doorstep. But anyway, uh, it just looked like me calling as many people as I could, as many people as I could, as I knew that were in tech, that were tangential to tech, that were in a caring space, uh, that were, you know, authors of books that were popular, that were about, you know, giving and how good it feels, that were, you know, store owners talking about like, where are your pain points that were, you know, my friends saying, what's hard for you about getting that gift on the to-do list checked off? Like it was, it was me calling in again, my community to really figure out where we could fill the, the, the void for everyone. I built a beta. It was horrible. Or actually our first beta was a giant group text that I made that was like, everyone I think wanted to kill me. So that was fun. And then a really bad beta. And then, um, a, but you know, I say that jokingly and I'm smiling. I don't know. You probably can't see this on a podcast, but I am smiling because it is painful as those things are at the time in retrospect, it got us so much further, um, to, and closer to where we are now than if I hadn't done anything, you know? So I have a, a big respect for failure and I, I take it kind of lightly. We built that and then iterated quite a bit through it being live. And that was part of it too, was really, again, learning from the users 
What are they doing? What are they liking us operationally? It, it, I, all that to say, the beginning just looked like me talking to a lot of people and stubbing my toe a ton. Anyone who owns a business, and obviously, as you said, you had had prior experience, but any new venture, there's so much fear of failing. But when you're on the other side of failing and you can look back and say, what did I learn? Where can I go from here? Not that anyone invites failure, but I do think there's a sense of comfort in knowing that even if you have an issue with one thing, there's a learning experience from it. So you can fix it, make it better and just continue to work towards something. And I think no matter the industry, so many people are afraid to take that leap and afraid to put themselves out there or try something different that it really holds a lot of people back from being able to venture out and kind of figure things out in a, in a different way. I could not agree more. I think failure is so scary to people. And in a weird way, I am, I'm less sensitive to it now, I would say, but like, I'm so aware, like we could fail tomorrow. I mean, we're not going to, but like, you just never know, right? Like if you're in things long enough, you realize how many extreme things can happen and, and how really, I think perseverance is half the battle. And like you said, looking back on it and saying, what did I learn is the other half and being able to look at failure really objectively. Like I don't look at it anymore as like, did I succeed or did I fail? But like, just what was that? cause and effect. Like it's, it's a very, like it's, it's just a pure experience. Um, and I think channeling those into your next positive step or how you succeed, right. That's the perseverance. It's like, what happened? Was it objectively positive or negative? And how do I make it more positive? And I agree in any industry, it's the same thing. And any, in any personal life, it's the same thing too, right? Like I have friends that we are really, you know, we journal and we kind of talk about our self growth and, and development. They always joke that, or I guess, I don't know if it's at my expense or if I'm whatever, but they're like, okay, so if you're not a single mom in a startup during a pandemic, like, what do you do with your journaling? <laughs> but anyway, that all to say, we talk a lot about, you know, the kind of the process and how you can apply your personal, your personal experiences to professional and vice versa. And I was talking to a guy who I don't know if they're as vulnerable as women are, which I have found to be very helpful as our whole team is women. Um, there's a lot of authenticity and vulnerability and just transparency in the way that we operate, which I find helpful in a startup environment. But I was talking to um, a guy the other day and he had something happen in his business. And he was like, God, I thought I would just be, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And I thought that I was going to be like at the bottom of the ocean, getting pummeled and pummeled and pummeled and pummeled and just dragged. And it was going to be, he's like, it doesn't really feel that bad. He's like, I'm still here. And I was like, yeah, no, it's it's weird, right? You have this anticipation of failure and it's never as bad as you think it is. I equate it to like, you're at the top of a roller coaster, you know, you're going up, you're ready for that drop to come. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be it. It's going to hurt. It's going to be scary. It's going to be whatever. But the bottom falls out. And instead of dropping, you just step sideways and you realize you're still on solid ground. And you're like, oh, okay. Now, like what you said, what next? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's been such an interesting learning process, but I I'm appreciative of it all the way. Yeah, definitely. That's how I felt with this podcast as well. I mean, I had been wanting to do this for so long. I spent almost seven, eight months doing research just on the back end before starting it. And I go back and quickly listen to one of the first episodes and I had some great guests in the beginning as well, but I'll even go back and I'm like, 
Oh my gosh. We have come a long way. This whole yes. last year has been a good learning process of my role as the interviewer and just that sort of thing. I had to to do it and I had to like push myself to get comfortable talking to people that I'm unfamiliar with or anything like that so that I could set myself up for everything Gross. else. So yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. Been, it's been great and I love it. And this is, I love doing this. I mean, and it's just so a exciting. side hustle. It's that's so job. cool though. That <laughs> I think that's like how, you know, you're really passionate about something, right? Like when, when it is either time-wise or mindshare wise, like growing that big, that's so exciting. It's amazing. With a float, when you were looking at the businesses that you wanted to be represented, have on there. And as we've mentioned, it's support local. How important was the local aspect to you? And how were you figuring out which businesses that you thought would be a good match? It was really everything to me. I'm a huge proponent of shopping local. I think there's so much amazing creativity and power in these local curators. I happen to work in local retail, so maybe that's where I'm a little bit biased, but um, I worked at Sharon Blonde Lennons and The Little House. I'm from Kansas City, so those were my you know, high school and college jobs. And I just saw the, the way that people interacted with um, their clients they'd had for ever. They knew the inventory. They knew what was coming up. There was just this really incredible curation of the stores and the products and the lens of the kind of shopper that was coming in. I knew they were so thoughtful about the products they carried because I'd been you know, seeing it firsthand. And I knew that their number one genuine passion was serving the community and their clients. And I just think that is so cool. And I, that's how, you know, we wanted to operate at a float. So it made way more sense to me to loop in with not only for logistics, so we can get things there same day, because if you're like me, you're a last minute gifter, even if you're a good gifter, sometimes there's those life moments. Anyway, I, um, I just knew from the, I, I didn't even have a question. I'm like, this is, this is where it's at. This is where I want to put my weight behind. I, again, think that there's this immense power in giving more access to, and we're, you know, we're a platform of technology right now. We're small compared to like an Amazon, obviously. Um, But as we continue to grow, I think there's a lot of power that we can bring to local retail as well. So it's really exciting for me not to only build for our users, but also build for these stores that are, are really pillars of our community. It says on your Instagram right now, you guys are currently in Kansas City and Dallas, but that there are more cities to come soon. So uh, can you give any insight to where a float will be popping up soon? We have plans to definitely add another city in Texas and then a second city this coming year. So 23 when this airs, um, which I am still keeping under wraps because we're going back and forth between a few. We have so many amazing requests you guys like daily are sending us from Charlotte, Atlanta, Chicago, St. Louis, Denver, Nashville. Like we have the most amazing group of cities that want to come on. And so it's, it's us just operationally looking at what makes the most sense. Um, we will be sharing that next year, I guess. Very exciting. And just a huge congrats to you and your team for the growth that you have experienced in the short while that you have been operating and just the impact you have had on the community. As you said, with smaller business, there's such an emphasis on the community supporting them and giving back to the community. It's kind of this really beautiful like circle between business and consumer that there's 
mutual understanding of support because at the end of the day, it's all helping the community stay together and grow together as well. I love that. It's it's exciting to put money back in the communities. It's very exciting to keep jobs in the communities. Like I said, the the owners that I happen to know going into this who were the first people I talked to about coming on the platform, it was a share and it was, you know, Leslie and Chuck at the little flower shop, people that I had had relationships with um, either professionally or personally through life. You know, I, I think the more power we can give them, the better. And so it's it's been really exciting to watch it unfold and and see where we can go next. So as there have been many amazing growths, obviously owning a business is not easy and there comes a lot of struggle. So what are some of the struggles you faced owning this business? Like I said, I luckily had had that experience of starting something, running something, time management. I think at first, when I had my first business was a huge, huge issue for me. And I, it was a more creative business. I had a stationary company. So I drew like hand illustrated portraits of people or, or did custom stationery. And then I turned that into a wholesale line. And I think the artistic part of it was a really big drain on my, my time and my energy. But anyway, that learning aside, I think there's a lot of pressure that can be difficult, even though I, again, like removing the stigma of failure, removing all of that from the equation there is still a lot of like pressure you put on yourself because I think you see, and you, I'm saying you, cause I know that you're the same with, with your business, with your podcast, you see where you want it to go and not everyone's seeing the same thing as you all the time. And our team is amazing. Cause I think we all have such a clear vision together, but it's keeping everybody synced and aligned. And for me, it's that com- pressure of communication to make sure that we're all staying there in this very clear bubble of what needs to be happening now to achieve the bigger picture. Like in my mind, I'm going back to the story of like Walt Disney when he, you know, started drawing Mickey Mouse and he's talking to people about what Disneyland's going to be. They couldn't see what I just visited with my kids, you know, two weeks ago. He saw that, right? Like, so I think me and our team having that in our mind, but but having to balance the breakdown of what do we do daily that gets us there? And then the pressure we're putting on ourselves because we want to get there so fast and so, you know, efficiently and whatever, but also like letting it just happen because things just have to fall a little bit into place too. I think that that balance and that pressure is is something that's challenging. And I'm, I'm probably speaking out of turn for my team. They probably all think it's easy as cake. But for me, <laughs> to say that's a challenge. It's a balance. Um, pressuring towards where I want it to be, making sure everyone stays on the same page and that I'm clearly communicating that internally and externally, and then um, having the vision there and, and not just rushing like with blinders on towards it, realizing we have to communicate and we have to, you know, take step by step by step to get there. So as you said, what's hard is like you have this vision and obviously always looking, you know, into the future. It's hard to remember to sit back and look at how far you've come. And oh, yeah. fortunately, my boyfriend, Dan, is like, is really good about constantly saying to me when I get really stressed out and I talk in these really fast circles about who I'm reaching out to, who I'm in contact with on the podcast, my goals and looking at Q1, I make it very business-like sometimes. And luckily, I have someone beside me to say, just look at how far you've come in less than a year. Take a minute. Just look at how far you've grown. You really need to take these moments to say, okay, here is what I have accomplished. Yes, I have goals and these are things I'm looking forward to, but don't forget about everything else you've done 
and how far you've come. So you're going to lose sight of it. So it's so hard though, to sit back and do that when you are constantly (laughs) trying to like move forward and be the most successful and try to do all these things. And people say, and business owners say, there are just not enough hours in the day. And sometimes I'm like, if I send the email tomorrow, it's not the end of the world. Nothing's going to come crashing down. My podcast isn't going to like disappear into thin air. If I send an email tomorrow, I'll be okay. I mean, just going back to that, almost that sense of failure. There's a lot of having to ground yourself you know, be ambitious, but also remembering, okay, what am I able to do on top of everything else? And you're a mom of three, I mean, having to run a business, but also make sure, okay, I have all these other things going on that everything has to get done, but also giving yourself some grace, which I know is not easy. I don't even have kids and I know it's not easy to do. So That is so true. And I think I have become really, and I have a great woman on my team who's a really good example for me for this, but it for me has become, because to your point, I have three kids and I am a single mom and I right now bouncing between Dallas and Kansas city every other week. And um, I've become very reliant and, and I trust my team implicitly. So the pressure that I put on myself is that fun visionary, like let's get their pressure. I've been able to alleviate some of the daily pressure because of the amazing women around me that do their jobs better than I ever could have. So like releasing that control has been, you know, it was weird at first. Now I'm like, Ooh, okay. What else can I let go of? You guys are <laughs> way better than me. Um, and I have a great support system at home too, that lets me, whether it's people that are taking care of my kids or my house or, or me, it's become really critical. And, and I, I'm such a big proponent of it takes a village to make anything happen. And it also kind of full circle to a float. Really, it's that community, it's that sense of community. It's the sense of helping people. It's the sense of being there for people or having people there for you as much as we can do that for other people and have it done for us. It really makes life function so much more seamlessly. Like that pressure just poof, you know, it it is a really nice um, experience. <laughs> So as you mentioned, you are traveling half the month, but when you are not working and you're able to ground yourself and spend time with your kids, what does life in Kansas City look like for you? Yeah, so I'm pretty protective of my time now. I'll say that's something I really um, focused on this last year. Um, I'm a lot less social than I used to be, which to a point is sad. But also I realize I have my kids half the time and when I'm here, I want to be present with them and it takes a lot for me to get a babysitter and get out of the house uh, if it's a night I can spend with my kids. So I know they won't be cool with me forever. So I'm trying to like before they're teenagers and are like, okay, mom, yeah, bye. I'm trying to soak all of that up. So it really is a lot of time together. We do their sports. Um, I'm right now just with my band with not a huge um chef at my house so we go out to eat a lot um we you know spend time doing basically whatever they like they're kind of that lego age so we build a lot of legos we play outside a lot i am still a little bit involved with some civic organizations i'm on a board um for the museum called the C100. So we put on a big luncheon and this year we hosted um Bronson Van Wick. I was a decor co-chair for that. So that was very fun. Um, so love to stay, you know, involved with any things that I can, that I have. I love the museum. I love art. I'm a passion there. So that's something that I've kept my involvement in. Um, and I try to stay involved now. I was on a, 
an actual board for um, an event at Children's Mercy that I was there for three years, but now really my involvement comes through a float and we try to do a lot of drives or promotions or, you know, kind of our activity to give back is usually focused around Children's Mercy. So that's how I've kind of focused my time and give back there which feels good and really feels like a full, you know, picture, which I I just love holding something in my hand and being able to send something to the hospital to somebody. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So that's been um, really fulfilling and is definitely, you know, it's, it's not a time component for me anymore, but something I'm still, you know, involved in in Kansas city. And then I'm just on another, one other kind of social board, but really it's, I've cut down a lot on, on anything that's not my kids in Kansas city and any kind of self-care and time for me is, is usually my Dallas time. So that's where I, you know, go on my long walks and, you know, try new restaurants and do some self-care and, and all of that is I just, I try to take that out of my own personal time instead of my family weeks. So I'm not very, not very exciting in Kansas city. I do love, I think Kansas city has so much character across the board. So if there was something you could change about Kansas city, if you had the power to change anything, what would that be? What would I change? I, like I said, what I love about Kansas city is the character that it has. I love how much pride Kansas city has for Kansas city. I think that's actually very unique. And I don't know if it's like our market size or, or what it is, but I, I am very uh, humbled and impressed by the support of local here of, you know, if it's a Kansas city person, like the guys that come back for the big slick every year, like how cool is that? Like, I just think there's a lot of hometown pride. I think that's really unique. So something that's been interesting, I'll say to me, and I don't really know how this changes. And actually it's not even a Kansas city thing. It's more of a a um, observation kind of across the board of starting a business that, you know, it's not a, a small business. And I really went into it, not understanding the process of starting a business that requires capital, raising capital, um, looking at venture, looking at angel, looking at all of these kind of options for funding. And, and I luckily had some people in my network that I, like I said, when I was talking to 800 million people, anybody that would talk to me, I got a little bit of a preview of of what that looked like, but I do think there could be, and I know that there are some, especially one large, you know, women's professional organization, but I just think it, it feels kind of closed off. And I think it feels not as accessible or fun or young or that just like easy information to access about women, female entrepreneurs. How do I start a business? For some, I talked to so many women. Um, I tried to slot into my time when I'm here on Friday mornings, if people want to talk about an idea they have, right? Like somebody came the other day and she's like, I have this idea. It's kind of crafty, but what if I did this? I'm like, I love it. But she's like, I don't even know how to get an accountant, right? Like, so I realized for me, it was this concept of capital that was big, but for some people it's like, I've never formed an LLC before. What do I do? You know, I think that there is a lack of access for women. Um, and I, and I, I'm sure it's the same for men, but I just think that women in our generation at least have traditionally had less exposure to those things. So what I would love to see, and this is more of a challenge than a a shortcoming, because again, this is across the board, you know, nationally, now that I'm, I'm aware of this, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about the venture funding world and the lack of not only access to capital for women and women founded and run businesses, companies, but also the education around it. Um, only 2% of uh, venture-backed companies that receive funding are female-founded companies. So 98% are men, 2% are women. Of those 2%, they are allocated 50% of the dollars that men are allocated. 
if men and women walk into a room and they're presenting the exact same business plan, a woman is 40% less likely to walk out with funding than a man. There are just so many pain points around this process of starting a business as a woman. And again, I, I hope that's changing with our generations. But at this point, again, not a this is not pointing a finger at Kansas City, but how cool would it be, Kansas City, if we became a nexus for changing that? You know, like what if there was a way that we could, with our hometown pride, with our, you know, amazing commitment and and concept around loyalty and our, you know, um, support of the community, create something that's accessible, that's educational, that's really, you know, powerful for women who want to start bigger businesses than more power to a lot of my lovely, lovely friends, coworker, you know, everybody that has businesses, but like, what if it's somebody that wants to do something huge? What if it's somebody that wants to do an embroidery thing in their house? What if there's so many things all across the board that, that we need more education access um, around, whether that's solving the VC funding problem, whether that's giving people access to accountants, whatever it is. I think there's a, I felt like I was hitting my head against the wall and that I was kind of like, am I doing something wrong? Shouting into the abyss for a year here uh, as I was getting going. And I think that would be something very, very cool to uh, begin to build, uncover and solve. So again, that's not necessarily a Kansas City specific problem, but since I'm here, what if we did it here? That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, no. And you make some really good points too, because people are always saying women support women, but when you like really break it down and like women supporting women, like that is how we break the barriers and gain more information is truly supporting each other. And like I said, even if it's just simple, like here's some information when we're able to rely on each other and come together. Yes. And it's like, you might not, you might know something that I don't know or vice versa. And then being able to utilize each other's knowledge is so helpful. And when that knowledge is hard to access, it's also really, I mean, it's discouraging because yeah. you don't know where to go from there. And then you feel like it's a you problem of, well, everyone else is doing this thing and why can't I figure it out? And there have been times where, where I was seeing men do these things and I'm like, well, what am I missing? Like, yes, I, I'm a relatively intelligent person. I don't claim to be the smartest, but like I can figure something out. And if I can't figure it out. Why is everyone else able to? And it's like, you, there's a lot of self-doubt when you get into those situations too. So being 100%. able to alleviate that and offering places to support people and give that information will help women just be able to continue to create what they are wanting to create. And as you said, with our generation, I love that there are so many women who are coming out with these awesome ideas and businesses. Women in general definitely need more access to information. I think what you said about the network is so spot on too, because that's half of men's successes. They just happen to already have the network and they know who to call. And especially with, again, I'm probably speaking more from my lens as an older, I think I'm an older millennial. I don't know. I didn't know who to call. All of my friends were moms. Like I had been an event planner that was very siloed. You know, I had, I could call a florist, but I knew how to start an LLC. And I realized now in retrospect, that's farther than now the women that I talk to on Fridays, you know, whoever that, that happens to be, that's farther than a lot of people were. But at the time I, I was like, okay, but then what do I do? Right? Like I have this like giant dream of building this huge company. And again, that's amazing for some people. They don't want to do that. That sounds like a pain in the butt. They want to start their dog food business. You know, that's also amazing. Or maybe that actually sounds like kind of a big undertaking, but you know what I mean? Like no shade on whatever size you want to start. But I do think having a resource, a network and a no barriers, it's not a professional organization, right? Like it's, 
it's a no barriers access for women to come network to uncover those little gems like that you know that I don't know what you just what you just pointed out that's such a good example and then also to empower people to say yeah you know what you're not crazy if you want to go raise five million dollars to do this like hell yeah you do you should do that like that kind of attitude I think just really gives people a confidence that sometimes that's all you need to take that next step forward and yeah maybe you're going to fall that time but who knows you just need the education the access and the power that come from uh, women getting together, supporting each other and truly supporting each other, right? Not like I support women, but I'm actually not going to because men say that I can't. Like I've seen that happen in business now. And I'm just like, come on, ladies, we can do it. We can do it. Yeah. And for listeners who are interested, can you explain a little more on Fridays what you're hosting and where people can find that information? Yeah, it's actually truly just DM me. Um, I have people text or DM me and it's usually friends of friends and they are wanting to pick my brain. I have mentally slotted Friday mornings because that's when I don't have anything on my calendar typically. And I'll grab coffee with pretty much anyone. And if they have an idea they want to run by me or it can be personal, it can be professional. I've talked to women who want to get divorced. I've talked to women who want to, like I said, last week, start a business. Um, in a very positive way, blown my life up and completely restarted it. And I think it can be helpful for people to see that that doesn't mean your life is over. Um, so I'm very happy to, when I have the time to talk with anyone and, and be uh, hopefully a positive influence, if not just something action oriented that they're doing that takes them one step closer to what they actually want to do. I don't know if I'm, you know, <laughs> really a, a big step forward, but I'm definitely a, a happy to be a step if, if it's helpful. So. I think that's great. And I think people are always needing kind of just a helpful ear to listen to, especially someone who is unbiased or like one degree away from what the situation is. It's great for anyone to have someone like that or have someone who knows someone sort of thing, because there are, as you said, it can be personal or professional. There's so many situations where it's hard to know like who to turn to. Not that you can't trust people in your inner circle, but sometimes when you really want to get to the nitty gritty, you need someone who might not know you as well, or just someone who's able to offer advice or any insight from like a distance in a way that isn't maybe up close and personal and saying, well, to be devil's advocate or anything like that, just because they, you know, they need someone to kind of hear them out and not have predetermined opinions. I love that you are doing that and are offering a place for people to come and talk to you and being able to give your insight and your knowledge with your experiences, both personally and professionally and turning that, you know, another silver lining, just being able to take that and help other people, I think is really great. It's been really fun. Um, I do, I get a lot of joy from it and I'm, you know, I feel like I'm just starting my own journey. So I tell everyone to take all of this with a grain of salt. Um, but I do, you know, I have enough experience. I have enough under my belt at this point that I, I hope I can, like I said, just be a step for someone and yeah, anybody can always just DM me and I'll, I'll set something up. So, um, if I have time, it's the beginning of a new year, you know, it's officially 2023. What can people look forward to seeing anything new on the afloat app or any businesses that are, um, new that they should keep an eye out for? Yeah. So we, um, like I said, we'll be expanding. So what that is exciting for me because we get to see kind of everything happening that not all of our users see behind the scenes. 
But we've really seen a lot of people that are in Kansas City sending to friends in Dallas or friends in Dallas sending to friends in Kansas City. So as we begin to open our network up, we're excited to see, hey, who has a friend in Houston? Okay, we're going to get, you know, stuff flowing down there. And I think what's really cool is um, being able to connect not only your local community around you, your, cause your people, your stores, your favorites, your bubble for some people that exists, like you can lift that up and it's also in Dallas, right? So being able to kind of reverse engineer it a little bit and let you still support local and a friend that's not next to you is like, wow. So this concept really can travel. Right. So that is very exciting to me. We have other features, um, just some things to make checkout smoother. I mean, nitty gritty, like tech things that, I will not list them. They will sound boring, but they will very much excite you when you use the app. Uh, <laughs> those kind of just e-commerce things that will make life so much easier. So um, a lot of features there really starting to build out more of a, like I said, those those points we know we can alleviate. So anything that we can kind of do to start socializing, your gifting experience, your uh, people that you send to frequently, events that you have, um, just again, kind of starting to build the place that you go to gift your ecosystem of remembering what to gift, when to gift, who to gift, how to gift. Like we are kind of taking the first step into that whole environment that we're going to start to, um, we're going to start to build in these features that will make it feel like really, really amazing. Um, so product wise, lots on the roadmap. I'm very excited. Uh, obviously as I have learned, and I had no idea, like I said, I was not uh, in tech before this things take a lot longer than I want them to. So me with my <laughs> big Disneyland vision is like, what if we do this? And our head of products, like, that's great, Sarah. Do you realize we have to do steps one through 13 before we can get to 15? I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we have, uh, it's again, like a, such a strong team and it's been really fun to, to see what we have in the pipeline. But I would say the city's coming. I'm excited about the, you know, smoothing out some of our current features are great. Our next kind of building blocks towards this complete gifting ecosystem I am very excited about. And then really it's, it's uh, the users have been informing a lot of our build and behavior. It's been very cool for me to see us say like, Hey, this is, you know, the way you gift now, we know this because we're seeing people send their first hostess gift they've ever sent. And they're doing it the day of the party. They're like, Hey, I don't want to walk in awkwardly with like this candle in my hand. Do they unwrap it in front of me? It's cheese knives. That's just what if they don't want to put them in the cheese, it's already out. Like they're it's, it's this younger kind of generation pre-solving their own problems. So hostess gifts going out the day of, they walk into the party and they'll send us like, oh my gosh, this is what I did. I went to a lunch and I didn't want to awkwardly carry something or other people bringing things. I don't know. They're like, I used a float. So really seeing the way that the um, behavior and lens of gifting and how it can be actually a lot less cumbersome than we've been making it like historically the app is really kind of bringing us into this next generation of, of easier ways to gift ways to do it more frequently so I think that that watching that behavior start to shift into like oh my god gifting is this easy like these people relate to what I'm going through so hard the app's easy to use and it can be done like at my fingertips when I'm in the carpool line when I'm sitting at work when I'm you know on the go um, I think that's going to be something really exciting to watch that kind of spark take root and see, you know, how, how people really start to fold giving, gifting, doing good, feeling good, shopping local into their 
you know, kind of flight pattern on their phone, right? Like let's go to Instagram and doom scroll or, Hey, you know what? I'd love to send a little thinking of you from Dolce to my neighbor instead, right? Like what, what can we do there? So I'm excited about all of that. For anyone who is unfamiliar with the app or hasn't used it, can you just briefly walk through the downloading process and just sort of the overall user interaction with it? Yeah. So um, right now we are available um, on Apple. So you can download it in the app store. Just search a float. It will be a float gifting on demand is what pops up. Um, You download it and it will prompt you to enter your name and your phone number location so that we know you're in Kansas City versus Dallas. You can also start as a guest, but eventually you do have to tell us where you are. So we know where to (laughs) show you local shops. And then you can scroll. So the home screen has categories. It's, you know, for her, for him, baby, the newly engaged January is a great time to send out those engagement gifts for all your friends that are getting engaged and starting that phase of life. So the happy couple, we have hostess, thank you, just because obviously support again, where we came from amongst all of the celebratory moments of life. So categories, we have amazing pop-ups where I curate my favorites. We work with local influencers like Sarah Juneman from Grazing KC has one. And so we uh, tap kind of these already existing amazing curators in the community to tell us what their favorite gifts are for certain occasions. So you can look at our pop-ups. I think for January, we're also just going to do kind of a general like fresh start, you know, the friend that really just, you know, send a yoga class, send some organ home organizations send those things that make you just feel good and fresh, like the new year. Uh, so we'll do fun pop-ups like that. And then you can also just go ahead and traditionally like you're walking down main street, you know, hit stop by store and you can look at all the stores uh, one by one and kind of just go, if you have a favorite store, you know, uh, we also do obviously have a, a search feature. If you're like, I know I want to send cocktail napkins, just type that right in the top and you will get taken to all the cocktail napkins. So um, anyway, it's a pretty expected e-commerce experience. I would say the thing that's the most unique, that's fun are our pop-ups. And we're really trying to bring local people into the app too, right? To keep it very, we're, we're a relationship enabler, I would say. And so keeping relationships front and center, and that's real people to us uh, is really important. Everything you've been able to take in your past experience and being able to build this platform to like lighten people up. I just think it's so admirable and so amazing. And I just love what you're doing. I'm so excited to see what 2023 brings and to see what other cities afloat will be offered in. I am so excited to talk to you. This was amazing, by the way. Um, I have just really loved connecting and thank you so much. It's been fun to build. It's been really gratifying to get to build relationships like this, you know, and meet all of these really inspiring, amazing women typically along the way as well. So thank you so much for reaching out to me. Be sure to look in the show notes to find Afloat social media and follow along. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Casey by Sari, and we'll see you next week. Casey Confidential. Casey's Confidential. Yay. Kansas City's best. Casey Confidential. Hey, see, confidential.